Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. My name is Josephine Monberg, and I am your host. You are now listening to the COVID-19 special edition of our show. Welcome to our podcast. We're doing these special edition episodes of our podcast where we're looking at how different industries are being impacted by COVID-19. Today, we are taking a closer look at the media industry. And to do this, I have with me in his virtual, very cool home studio, uh, Richard Whittington. He's the global head of the media industry at SAP. Richard, thank you so much for being with us today. Josie, pleasure. So Richard, before we get started and talk more about how media is being hit by COVID, can you tell us a little bit more about what it means to be the head of media industry at SAP? Yeah, I mean, it's actually a fun job, right? I mean, we have 25 industries at SAP. Media is one that probably touches pretty much 99% of the world's population. My job is really to look at the Lego bricks that, uh, as a Danish person, you understand Lego, um, to look at all the Lego bricks that SAP has and how do I put those together with our teams to solve industry problems, um, much like what we're experiencing right now with the COVID crisis. Um, and so I get to spend a lot of time thinking about where the industry's going, trying to react to where it is, and then trying to help customers move through some of the some of the challenges and opportunities yes and for those listening interested in where i am richard alluded to it i am in denmark in copenhagen so the home of lego um and richard where in the world are you today i'm just south of los angeles uh, at home like most people here in california trying to be socially responsible and socially distant so uh, working from a home office yes and i'm know that we all appreciate everyone who's socially distancing right now so that we can get through this crisis um, hopefully as fast as possible. Now let's talk a little bit more about the media industry. So what are you seeing right now? How is media being uh, media industry being impacted by COVID-19? I think you, to answer that question, you really have to look at it in two kind of buckets. One is the content supply and secondly is the consumer reaction. Right, so I think if you, um, and again, media is an interesting industry because there's many different segments. So you have filmed entertainment, you have TV, streaming, broadcast, book publishing, news, uh, music, and advertising. Um, but if you really look at it in terms of, let's use the film segment and TV and streaming as, as a proxy here, supply is constrained right now. So we had, there's a, there's a tremendous latency between an idea being hatched and a TV or a streaming service uh, producing the content. Um, and so there was a lot of content that was being made that something in the region of 500 original TV shows were made last year uh, in 2019. All of that has stopped overnight. So um, the creation of this content in, with respect to uh, films and movies and, and streaming shows has stopped. On the other side, news has increased because um, people are tuning in, trying to understand what's happening. Um, whether that's, you know, a BBC or whether that's uh, Fox News, there's a full spectrum of, of points of view on what's happening. So news consumption is up. But really, I want to focus a little bit on the production supply chain piece because, you know, you have a situation, if you think about it, a production requires a lot of people. So you have social distancing issues. You have probably a lot of locations. So you have travel, you have consumption of food and services. All of that has stopped. So there's sort of two so what's of that. First of all, is what are those people doing for, for a living? Um, secondly, is how long 
is the supply chain of built up content going to last before we start to, you know, there's a joke on the internet, right, which is I've finished Netflix. Um, <laughs> and then the, the other aspect of that is how is that supply chain going to restart? And is there an opportunity to reimagine how we did that? And can we do that at a lower cost point so we can build up more inventory, if you think about it, at a cheaper cost for, you know, the next crisis? Um, so I think we're on a really interesting pivotal point. I was reading some stuff over the weekend about how Hollywood's going to restart. And I used an example from actually from Disney, which isn't quite Hollywood, but it's a theme park. So in Shanghai, they're opening this week. So what they'll do is they'll reduce the number of people that can come in. They've marked on the ground where you can and you cannot stand. They're running the rides at a much lower capacity. The restaurants um, have a lot more social space between tables, much like Sweden. I was watching that and I thought this is really creative. This is a good attempt. But you think about the economics underneath that. You need more labor because you need more cast members because people are confused and you have to enforce the social distancing. You have different procedures. I mean, obviously, China has the QR health code, which is very culturally different in Europe and, and the US. Uh, you have temperature checking um, and then you have basically a smaller revenue bucket coming in because you have fewer people. So the economics are going to be a bit messed up for, for a period of time, whether it's production of content, whether it's theme parks or whether it's, you know, sports. Sports is another interesting example. You know, much of the audience for sports is actually at the venue. There's obviously the TV aspect of it. But, you know, the, I see La Liga or the Bundesliga in Germany is thinking about reopening. But will people get the same excitement um, from watching sports without a crowd there? cheering it on, creating part of the theater of a sports performance. It was interesting over the weekend that UFC opened up here in the US with no crowds and it was deemed a success. We're, we're yet to see. But it's not all doom and gloom. And what you're seeing is you're seeing things like NASCAR doing e-car racing and you're seeing MLB. MLB pulled an audience of 22 million last weekend where they had real players playing virtual sports and fans watching that. So you'll see, you'll see some creativity because after all, it's a very creative industry. But I think there's some significant challenges around creating enough content in the in the supply chain. Again, you've got some creative things going on. You've also got some other interesting things. So you have here in the US the launch of some uh, new direct-to-consumer services like Peacock, like HBO and Max and their service. They are delaying their launches because they can't bring new original content to the launch. And on the other hand, you have Disney with obviously a lot of uh, kids out of school and a lot of people gravitating to feel good content. You have Disney Plus hitting 54 million subscribers well ahead of their business plan, probably two to three years. I think the interesting part as we get into how the consumer's changing is how many people will keep those services once the lockdown's off. How many people, I think if you look at um, the average number of subscription services in the US is about 3.5. As you look at an unemployment rate potentially of 20% hitting us, you know, media is a very big discretionary spend. Will you see some contraction in the number of services that people will have? Um, what will keep people on those streaming services when you don't have fresh content? Will people like Disney who are pretty good at it or NBCU uh, or other media companies really understand the difference between acquisition marketing and retention marketing? Um, you've seen a big spike in things like Peloton, which is another content company with people trying to you know, wait for a month for the bike and then finding out that the content is archive content. But you've also seen, I mean, TV shows being done from home, right? Jimmy Kimmel, you're also seeing Peloton do live classes from home. It just becomes a question of does that sub 
professional, if that's the right expression, content have enough pull to keep people around as the lockdown, as summer arrives? Um, I mean, Netflix saw a 30% bump in subscribers in March, um, but also Wall Street Journal did a survey that said 37% of Americans would drop one or more streaming services if they lost their job. So it, it remains to be seen the, the full kind of impact of, of COVID. Mm. So it's really an industry that's being hit different degrees. Some has way more demand, some has always been like shut down. And the industry is always already being reimagined where I think other companies and other industries are just trying to respond and then there's recovery and then there's the reimagining whereas the media industry is, being, is having to reimagine right now. But the question is, will that be a long-term strategy? So what do you tell your customers right now when you talk to them? I mean, I, I think, look, I mean, it's it's a little late, you know, we're, we're at, what, three months into this in the U.S. to, to really say we can help you respond. Um, I think the interesting part on that is content, uh, and my prophecy or my hypothesis, content isn't enough. You have to match that with customer experience. So I think what um, media companies can do today is really get closer to the consumer, understand, start to do some predictive around people. Are people going to churn these services once you know, I use such streaming as the example. Are they going to turn, you know, those things off when things get better and really start to be proactive about retention marketing? I think this is number one. Number two, um, I think visibility to cost. I think, you know, there's, there's two or three pressures. One is obviously income related in the sense that people will cut their services and again, using direct to consumer. Second is cash is king. Um, and, you know, being able to monetize this content, you know, is somewhat constrained because movie theaters are not open. Box office is basically gone for a lot of companies. So you're seeing content delayed. And then the third thing really is um, in advertising supported models, you know, consumer spend is down. Uh, a lot of consumer products or retail companies are cutting back on advertising. Things like the Olympics has been pushed. Um, the, the advertising spend is less, so they're getting hit from both sides. So what we're telling them is be closer to the customer, understand the customer pulse, you know, things like customer experience surveys are important. Be uh, on top of your cash, be able to predict um, when you're going to have cash bumps and, and, and troughs and lows, and then look at how when you come out of this, you can do production in a much more cost efficient way so you can build up inventory and, and the finance folks that understand cost of goods sold so you could build up inventory at a much cheaper cost but also be able to amortize that cost over a longer period so you don't have to burn that that inventory right away all of that i think is pulled together by analytics so i think i think the one big aha out of this is coming out of this the ability to really understand from an end-to-end -end perspective what's going on in cost what's going on in revenue down to an episode or a soundtrack or a song level is something that this is going to really tilt and accelerate. That progress has been going on. It's been, you know, it's not like media companies were sitting there blind, but I think it's going to become hyper important um, mm. to give executives the information at their fingertips so they can make these real fast decisions because no one knows whether it's going to spike again or whether it's going to go on for a year, two years, three years. There's so much uncertainty. And that ability to have the customer as a sensor, to have your hand on cash flow, to be able to predict the supply chain is sort of the triangle. But, you know, I mean, things things like TikTok. TikTok's a great example, right, where it's user-generated content, 2 billion audience worldwide. It's not like consumers won't go somewhere else for their media experience. It's, it's just really a question of 
who are going to be the ones that really thrive. I think you will see some consolidations. Um, you know, some of the small, smaller content companies will end up getting sucked in. But it really depends, honestly, how quickly we come out of this and how quickly consumer confidence comes back so that the advertising spigot can be turned on so we can get back into making new stuff and we can get back on to enjoying the stuff that's been made. I mean, things like even Burning Man is going virtual now. I mean, how well, you can have a virtual virtual burning man is you know what do you do? set set fire to someone in that garden you know <laughs> well if that yeah if that doesn't say something about, about um the time we're living in then i don't know what will um and richard you just talked about how media obviously is a very creative industry and something i'm seeing across all industries when i do these interviews is that digital transformation is being accelerated massively and you talked about the role that technology plays and will play in all of this but do you think that digital transformation is also being accelerated in the media industry? Well, I think I think we were early in that anyway, right? I mean, if you think back to the very beginning of iTunes, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing the amount, the life cycle of iTunes has been and gone in like 17 years. Um, there's a lot of digital transformation. I think what is more in, in, um, imminent is a reorganization of, towards efficiency driven by digital transformation. Right, so what does that mean? It means being able to do total spend management across the full production value chain. It means having a, a deep understanding of cost of goods sold. It means understanding what the consumer wants next. I mean, if, if you're in a world where your market is contracting, where you've got, you know, what do we see? We saw 48% increase in TikTok in the US last month, where you've got these competing services for eyeballs. You've got to know that customer really well. Um, You've got to know what they're going to want to watch on a Friday night. You've got to really get the right content in front of them. So I think in one sense, there's an opportunity around this whole predictive powered by the understanding of the consumer to really hyper target, you know, direct the right content at somebody. But in addition, be able to show more value to the advertiser by saying, I am hyper targeting Josie and I know what she likes. I know what she wants. I know what she's going to buy. It's no longer sufficient enough just to throw money and advertising at her. I've got to be hyper specific, not just um, in digital, but in broadcast, in cable, in streaming. However, those you know, like Peacock is going to be ad supported, really across that spectrum. I mean, obviously, you know, the digital online marketers know this inside and out, but it's got to it's got to extend across other media platforms. And you'll see other things like we work with a company called Now United, uh, which is Simon Fuller's band out of or concept out of the UK, where new revenue streams are driven by digital transformation, driven by this insight on the consumer are going to happen. For example, uh, we just went soft live with them last week around where you can buy commerce and outfits from the performers on the show. So not relying on subscription or distribution fees, not relying on advertising, but looking at commerce powered by digital transformation uh, as an adjacent revenue stream. Um, all of this kind of comes together when you start to reimagine what are we going to, life has changed. What are we going to do? Can I continue to spend $108 billion between maybe the top 10 US media companies last year in content production? The answer is no. Mm. Um, you know, so I think there's, um, and there's another debate that's been going on years, which is also this concept of windows where I make a piece of content, it goes to the theater, then it goes to video, then it goes to pay TV or free TV, et cetera, et cetera. Disney with Frozen 2 went straight to consumer. Uh, Troll, you know, with NBCU, um, went direct to consumer and it's upsetting the value chain. It's upsetting the participants in the value chain and it's disruptive. Um, 
but I don't think that genie is going to go back in the bottle anytime mm. soon. So that's a little bit about what companies should be doing, what you're telling them, what the advice is in general and how it's being rematched. But what do you think, I'm really curious, what do you think will actually happen when right. we restart? And also, what do you foresee that there will be long-term structural changes uh, in regards to the media industry? So here I get my little crystal ball. <laughs> I love that you brought it. I was going to ask you to bring it out, actually. <laughs> yeah, I brought out my crystal ball. I think production, it's going to be a slow restart. I mean, I was reading, again, some stuff on, let's talk about film to start with. Um, it's going to be a slow restart as, you know, there are so many different components to making a piece of content. You'll see fewer people on set. You'll see more local productions. You might see more animation in the short term because animation doesn't require people you know, to get together to make it, you can do that virtually. I think you might see the more u more use of visual effects, for example, augmented reality at sports in you know um, sports competitions where you can actually fake the crowd. Um, so you'll start to see things like that. I think um, you will see big focus on the consumer. Media was already going through a major transformation around digital consumer with all the streaming services. That will get accelerated. There's no doubt about that. You will see, I think, live sports come back because it's such a, a massive industry and the TV rights are worth so much money. That will come back. I do think you will see a uh, much more leaner, financially efficient industry because of the, the need to do that. And I do think you'll see some consolidation of smaller players who just can't survive. Um, so I do, I think, you know, coming out of this, what does the media company of the future look like? It Think of an analogy of a plane. It'll have a flight deck where you'll have all the, the dials and widgets of what's going on in that business in real time. You'll have tighter supply chains with partners working more closely with studios and content providers to um, understand where the costs are being spent. You'll see shifts. You'll see esports grow. Um, you'll see user supply content, as I said about TikTok grow, uh, you will see um, much more social sharing of content. It, it really depends on how socially distant we remain. I mean, Zoom watch parties, for example, um, people will still get, will still find a way to get together. Media has always been a social event. Um, no one goes to a, a, a rock concert. I think you'll see, you know, with live performances, that will take a long time to come back. And I don't think that will ever look and feel like we knew it until there's decent therapeutics or a vaccine, but um, you know, you'll see, as Simon Fuller's doing, different ways of making monies out of those events. You'll see, I think, we were talking um, to a high-end uh, account team for a, a big hotel chain last week, you know, branded content, you know, chefs of the Four Seasons, chefs of, uh, you know, the Ritz-Carlton. You'll start to see companies like that start to leverage their brands, consumer brands, curated content, um, in a much more uh, virtual way because there's opportunity in that, right? I mean, you know, if, for example, let's use the Four Seasons as an example, you know, created travel, created cooking, created lifestyle, um, supported by advertising, for example, to very targeted audiences. So I think there's, there's a, it, it's really actually a positive thing if you discount the human tragedy, which you can't, uh, and you discount the econ economic impact I think for media coming out the other side, it, it's really kind of cool because you can reimagine and you need to reimagine. And technology will play a large part of that. Mm. I think, you know, the ability to, I mean, Hollywood is a good example. They're still creating content uh, that was filmed and shot 
beforehand, but they're able to now virtually do post-production, which is usually a long process. And so people get more comfortable with this virtual work environment. Um, fan engagement will become the norm. We talked about getting to know you as a consumer. Um, we're seeing sports teams now reaching out to their fans. You're seeing Zoom as a medium for stars in, in these sports and media uh, events be able to reach their fans one-on-one -on -one with hosted Zooms, and that will be monetized. I mean, it, it, right now it's in the response stage, but in the reimagined stage, that intimacy um, will become a monetized event. You know, it just, it just never amazes me. If you, I don't know if you watched the Bocelli thing at the, the Notre Dame Dome, but he, you know, he pulled an audience of about 18 million, and there was no, no, no one there other than him. But, I mean, again, that might have been sort of the... Uh, the human need to reconnect after the, the event, much like after 9-11. But I do think you'll see new competitive offerings. You'll see a big play around driving consumer engagement and experience. And you'll see another big play around driving media companies to become intelligent, insight-driven organizations beyond what they already are today. But, you know, it could all change tomorrow, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's, um, as companies start to come out of lockdown, I think we'll uh, we'll end up seeing some of the lessons that we can learn from that. Um, but, you know, we've been in this industry over 20 years as SAP. Our customers span the globe. You know, we've got about 83% of the Forbes Global 2000 as our customers. We're close to what's going on. Um, and so hopefully we can bring that value to some of our customers as as we move forward through the respond, recover, and reimagine phases. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's such an amazing industry and it's so fascinating and I'm realizing while you're talking how much this industry is really going to be reimagined also because of the creativity that really serves as the foundation for this industry so I am personally super excited to see what big changes it'll drive more long term not just right now but for the entire industry moving ahead so on those words, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so many insights about how the media industry is being impacted by COVID-19. And to those who listened to this episode, thank you so much for listening in and uh, hopefully I'll see you on the next episode. Please subscribe to our channel, Industry Insights by SAP at OpenSAP, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. To learn more about what SAP is doing to help you cope in COVID-19, you can go to sap.com about global health safety and find free access to select SAP software, tools to support your business, and much more. Stay safe, everyone.